You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking again about Around the Table, the role of eating together for healthy marriages, part two. And I'm so excited today about my guest. I have Stacy Day with me today. She is legit one of my best friends, probably my best friend, and you can totally hear my seven lack of vulnerability there. But Stacy has put up with me for years. I love her so much for that. She knows me at my best and my worst. And guess what? She's a dietitian and a PA who works in the hospital, and she is going to give us so many amazing tips about food today. I'm so excited to have her here. Before we get to that, though, I want to give us just a few minutes to talk about the different types with their eating habits. Thank you so much for the amazing answers this week to what are your problems as types and couples with food. Each and every type has this perception that they would be one way and they're not. And that was really good for me to find out. Starting with eight, I want to let you know that eights tended to answer that they really loved eating big. They loved their juicy steak and they were basically of the opinion that I cook big or go home. And not only that, but sometimes they were of the opinion that they did not like cooking at all. It was a big opinion either way. And the food was juicy and succulent when it had been cooked because of all the work that went into it. They just want it to taste amazing and delicious, of course, as we would expect from our eight beloveds. I also want to let you know that with threes, we found charting and competitions. And we'll hear from Stacy about a fun competition that her husband does yearly. And you just end up finding somebody who really wants to please their family and love them and meet their friends and family where they're at. Of course, all of this depends on subtypes too, but I wanted to start there. And moving forward with fours, if you're married to a four, it's important that you keep a variety of spices around. A great idea would be to have a traveling condiment tray or a special seasonings area where you really work on that. How some do the coffee and tea bar. I love that. I want to do that. But this would be something particular to fours where you're thinking, you know, they like their food more spicy than I do. So I'm always going to make sure to every month buy a special new spice. Spice it up. That's a thing for fours. But then there's always going to be fours who don't want that. Like the four in my house is a definite four, but doesn't have that proclivity. So I want you to understand, I'm going to give just a couple more trends that I saw. Nines sometimes did not want to choose food. And I've always known that nines had issues with choosing around where they would go out to eat and things like that. But I really want to let you understand that not all nines fit that box, but many do. And the nine wing ones, sometimes they do really well with getting portions ready and planning out for the week. Sometimes the nine wing eights are more like eights and have a bigger appetite for food and more energy to cook with it. So you can't always generalize a nine just like you can't with a four. Also, the one seven thing that I would have thought was just like my husband and I, that I have more of a gluttonous area than he does with food. Not everybody was like that. There was several, I heard today even several ones saying, I like comfort food. I really struggle with junk food and sweets. And I've met a lot of female ones like this. I've met a lot more male ones who are like my husband, but I'm sure we could say there are male ones out there who love their sweets. And I've definitely seen ones who struggle with alcohol as a way to cope with all the stress. And so we didn't even get into alcohol issues. We can do a whole 
something on that at some point. I think we need to, but that's not my specialty. I'm not an alcohol addiction specialist and I'll bring somebody on if I do a show on that. The three and seven or three and eight or eight and seven idea of having when you have these aggressive types eating together and Stacy will talk a little bit more about this today, but when you have that and you're looking for a designated leader in the kitchen, it's a really cool idea that somebody had to be each other's sous chefs and let everyone have a designated leader that day. So the other one needs to follow suit on what they've decided. And there are so many fun tricks of the trade you can do with food, which Stacy and I will talk a little bit about too. But the conversation is endless and we could talk about it for four to five hours. Maybe we'll do some further shows about food. I have so many other topics I haven't even had a chance to tap into. So I can't do any more shows about food yet, but we're going to do this one. And I will let you know just a couple more trends right now and then tell you a little bit about a fun contest before Stacy's on. There was another trend with sixes that I saw. And this also went with some of the ones they wanted better nutrients. They want they were thinking about planning how to eat healthy. They were thinking about how to watch their body rhythms, sixes especially, and sixes and ones often both wanted to eat moderately and make sure they weren't quite as gluttonous. But if six gets into their seven wing, they can be gluttonous with drinking. They can be gluttonous with eating. They can go to nine and kind of get, who cares? I'm having fun and I'm having a good life and I don't want to worry. So I'm just going to go ahead and be courageous and not think about the risks all the time. So you've got to understand people can polarize with themselves and really not become just one dynamic person about food. Food is such a complex issue. To bring in briefly, twos, some of the twos we heard from said they can manipulate with food, feel sad, hope that the other person knows what they're thinking and feeling and would want. Sometimes twos are looking for food to really soothe them and make others in their lives soothed because they don't feel happy or they're filling up with their feelings. Some twos I've known that we didn't hear from any on this in my surveys, but have had an eating disorder with food issues because they wanted to be well-liked by others or an alcohol use disorder. So because of these deep needs we each bring, sometimes our food gets put in there. And several twos that wrote in said, one of my issues with food is that I just want more love in my life. And so when my five spouse doesn't need as much love, I fill up with food or I try to entice them and it doesn't work. So sometimes we use our food as weapons in our relationship or as ways to self-soothe. And it's complex because food is needed to self-soothe, but we have so many different dynamics. And the only one I haven't really shared about too much now is you probably saw my post about sevens where I've said, oh my gosh, do I ever struggle with gluttony sometimes? And and I have in the past. And it wasn't always known because when I was growing up, people said, oh, she doesn't get as much because she's the youngest kid. So there would be like, okay, we ordered a pizza and you got last dibs because you're the youngest sibling. And I had some intense older siblings. Then I also had a very healthy one as an older sibling and my three sister and my four brother were good about fending for themselves with food for whatever reason. And so there was that sense of it goes into the subtype a little bit with me with the self-preservation and you've heard me talk about that. So you really have to understand people have their roots and you can ask yourself, what is my own food route if I'm struggling right now? What were my first beliefs and memories around food? And you can try to work from there. You can grab our food workbook that I have up around the table on my website, reflectioncc.com this week or enneagramandmarriage.com. And you can make sure that you really just start asking the questions together. What dynamics do we want for around the table? And we're going to share even more great ideas with you this week. But the only other group I didn't talk about that much was 
fives and fives really have shown sometimes they don't want to put the energy out. They don't want to make an extra meal. So they will make the smallest meal possible or they will hoard food from their spouse because they don't want to be left without. Once again, going into instincts. So pay attention to your type, pay attention to your subtype, pay attention to your wings. Try to see how all those are playing out around your food and then think about it this way, which this has been very helpful for me with my eating habits over the years. I've had to really understand what else could I do that would bring me that stimulation? Would I enjoy researching? Would I enjoy going for a bike ride? Would I enjoy writing in a journal? So these things will help bring habitual changes, but I really do want you to have fun with with your food. It, it makes me sad that some of you said sometimes the ones in my life don't eat enough and they have had anorexia in the past and they think they have to be perfect. And maybe even the twos or ones take pride in not eating much when they're struggling because they want to be loved. They want attention. They want to do things right, whatever their motivation is. And it's a little different for those types. I just want you guys to understand food is good. It was given to you for good reason. And the first humans lived in a garden that was thriving. And it is really important that you understand that you are worthy to eat good food and to have snacks sometimes and to not be perfect with it, but to grow with it, to understand that food was given for your enjoyment. It's truly not the same to have just a a milkshake your whole life that has protein, but tastes awful. So make sure that you don't just rob yourself of enjoyment, but that you think about yourself with love and with health and with a fuel mindset, but also as taste and savor it like a four. Think of it with health like a one would at their best. Think about it with joy like a seven would. Enjoy the different ideas and cooking shows and memes like a nine would. Enjoy the best foods like an eight or a three would. Make it amazing. And like a two, make it to bless people, to bring people together around the table. Or a six where you're planning things out so it can be the absolute best experience possible. And like a five, that you would have something stored up, that you wouldn't just be lazy about it and not prepared. So I'm just giving a few quick examples of how each type I'm thinking of can truly bless us with our food habits. And because we're such a myriad of all the types at our best, I'm just wanting you guys to know I appreciate you just listening and growing in this season with your food choices. I think being intentional is your very best possible bet. So before we get started on Stace, I just want to give you guys one more tip. And that is that if you leave a review at Apple Podcast for this podcast, Enneagram and Marriage, then you are entered to win one of our free mystery dinner games around the table. So you can choose which of our games you would like to play. Wes and I have written these games and had so much fun and thousands of people have played them by now. And we are giving one away for free. So one of our listeners can enjoy with their family or friends outdoors right now, if you're in a quarantine zone, of course, but having a gathering with your people to just act silly, act in costume, solve a crime that's not real, of course, and just have some fun around the table. You'll hear Stacy and I talk a little bit about it. They're PDF game kits that come with enough clues. And as you'll hear me talk a little bit about this with Stacy and some of our memories playing these games together, 
you'll hear that we have so many fun elements of each game where one of them is Murder Mountain, another one is At the Stroke of Murder set around New Year's, another one is Crime Scene County Fair, so it's set around an outdoor setting festival, and we also have Murder at the Museum and Mystery at the Movies, which is not a murder one. And I have a children's game too, but I really want you guys to understand the dynamic we set that up for was so couples would have fun dining together, solving a fun mystery. And of course, when you're not in a quarantine zone or outdoors with some space between you guys, I would love to see you guys get to have a fun dinner party and just enjoy fellowship with this. So if you leave a review at Apple Podcast and the contest starts now and it ends on Saturday, July 18th, at 10 p.m. So you have time to go to Apple Podcasts. Plus, I hope you'll leave me a review anyway if you love the show because the more reviews I get, the more people are exposed to it and I get to have a wider reach. And I really love that because I can't be everywhere at all times as a mom. So it blesses me so much when somebody says they love the show or when somebody is on Instagram and reading and participating in research. All of that helps so much to give us our very best possible outcomes for our own marriages. So we are a team, guys, and I love that about us. And now I want to share my other teammates. So without further ado, Stacy Day. Welcome, Stacy. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Krista. It's such a pleasure to be here. You and I have talked about everything and anything a million times over, and it is seriously so cool that we're finally being brought together in our work environment. It is pretty incredible. It's really fun to think that, you know, our typical phone conversations can now be recorded and set (laughs) off to the podcast land for people to hear. (laughs) Exactly. It's so funny. And they would hear so many crazy things over the years because Stacy and I are going on a 20-year friendship plus, right, Stacy? Exactly. We uh, predate our marriages. We've known each other since yes. dating, been part of weddings and childbirth and everything mm. in between and raising children. So it's just been such a wonderful long friendship. Oh my gosh. I can't thank you enough for your friendship. Honestly, you guys, Stacy was there with both of my parents in their end of life issues with me. I mean, she was there with me, like she said, the births of our children. She is just a phenomenal person outside of all she teaches people about health and food choices. And I am so blessed to have her as a friend. And like I said, she puts up with my cray cray and loves me where I'm at. She's cried with me. She's just a beautiful person. She videotaped my wedding. And I mean, the list goes on and on about our connections and we can't even believe we're saying 20 plus year friendship. You guys, it goes by so fast, right, Stacy? Oh my gosh. Incredibly fast. Just, yes. It's life just goes by fast. Sometimes you feel like you're stuck in a rut, but it really, in the big picture, looking back really goes by quickly. So uh-huh. yes, we've been through a lot together and I love it. Lots of laughter, cries mm-hmm. and Strikingly, that people may not realize is we have not lived in the same state for very long. We've been <laughs> in and out. We both moved in and out of our home state where we met. And this large relationship continues to happen across country, which is awesome. It really is true. And it was hard in grad school for a little while. And then we just, it worked it out. So if you have a friend worth hanging on to and you don't live close, let it work itself out because we've learned who we are as friends. And it's been so valuable to us to stick with it 
and to really make it work because we knew it was a valuable friendship. And thinking back on the day I met her and I never would have known that we would be really close friends because she and my husband and her husband were all in the medical programs at their college. And I was in the softer sciences, communication and psychology studies. So I remember being a little bit intimidated as an 18 or 19 year old meeting them for the first time. And my husband described them as Ken and Barbie. <laughs> and he, he's like, going out with Ken and Barbie and they kiss on the campus in the quad and they're so cute and I was like okay and then I met her because we are from the same state and area and we went bowling and it was a fun time but I was intimidated Stacy when I met you because and this is probably the silliest reason and it betrays my six wing but you had on a black leather jacket and that really made me intimidated <laughs> That is so funny that you remember all of those details, Krista. So I did have on a very intimidating black leather jacket, but it wasn't because I'm an intimidating person. It was actually my large two personality side coming out because it was my grandmother's jacket. And I just felt really connected to her. Apparently she used to ride motorcycles back in the day and she had given me that jacket. So it was just a very special jacket she gave me but apparently I didn't realize how intimidating <laughs> I looked at it I just really love feeling connected to her hovering in that six swing and I'm like oh, let her go like I wasn't prepared for this I was prepared for the science questions but this is like throwing me off so it was so fun to find that you were such a warm fun person I can still remember the conversations about you sharing you were engaged and a month later me sharing so it's just fun that it worked out. And yes, you were totally intimidating, but that leads us right into your type. So you're a type two. Yes, I am a type two wing one. And Ooh. my husband is a three. I believe he would be a wing four. That's me classifying his wing. Oh, I love learning that because I see you as, and I think this happens over time, that you really end up with the best of both of your wings, but we usually do have one leaning. And so I was like, gosh, I see your one wing. Tell me a little bit more about how your one side comes out. Yeah, so my one side comes out very strongly in my academic and career life. Mm -hmm. and, um, and even in preparation, you know, for something like this, um, I'm sure your seven side uh, may be different, but I <laughs> need to feel prepared and note writing <laughs> and jotting things down and organizing my thoughts to articulate. Um, uh, what I'd like to find important, but, um, that definitely comes out, uh, very strongly. In fact, I think when I initially took the test, I, I thought I would classify myself more as a one, but as I went through it, I was like, oh no, I'm definitely a two, but you know, you do a lot of different personality type tests growing up. And I, I don't know if you remember the color test. I don't yeah, know. Absolutely. I remember a lot of school, like I was a strong gold or whatever so I think that one is pretty strong on my side mm -hmm. but I think you know as I've progressed and moved through life I think a two is is where I've been at for a long time Mm, I love that you or at least it that. trumps my one side <laughs> yes and I love that you love Enneagram but not being a hundred percent Enneagram you're like you're like allowing the fluidity of it. And I love that where you're like, well, maybe I was a one and I, it changed. I just had somebody write me that in the DMs this week. Can we ever change our types? And that's probably too big of a question for me to answer. Most Enneagram experts think no, but I love the fluidity. And as Stacy said, she's learned who she really is over time, whether she changed or whether she just already was a two. 
with a strong one wing, it's really fun to be able to explore both of those for her. And I, of course, have been probably attracted to you as a friend for both of those reasons, because I really do find myself wanting to have that balance out. And so even, yes, as preparing for this episode, I knew to give you very specific questions. And I love that you're like, you know me and I know you. <laughs> so, so it's perfect. So I love that. And I think I thought your three wing came out with that leather jacket. I'm like, she was maybe showing me that she was wealthy or, you know, tough. And <laughs> so it's like, okay, you totally like deduced that. No, this was not it at all. It was because you cared about your grandmother. I love that. Yes. That is very true, how sometimes we just assume things until we know the full story even 20 years later. <laughs> exactly. And I have a lot that would have leaned toward one with you, too. I'm like, absolutely your amazing love for people during COVID and hospital work and detail. And you have always been at the top of your research game. I've remembered you at many dietetics conferences presenting over the years and just really showing me that you are the friend who, as many twos are like this, they show us they can do it all. And Stacy had her four kids just as she intended. She stayed home with them all before they were five. She got two master's degrees. She graduated early. She then ran a half marathon, probably other races too. <laughs> Say like, this is a friend who, as most twos, has a lot of energy, can work night shifts, just amazingly caring and loving. So I see that one and that three totally about you. And I think you've balanced it so well. And like you said, your husband's a three. So you probably also have this affiliation for threes also. It's pretty cool how that works. Yeah, it really is. I it truly is. I didn't know until later as we have talked through things. So yeah, it's, it becomes really interesting. And I know we both love to chat about now our marriages with it. So we can just yeah. we can go deeper <laughs> through 20 years of friendship. So I want to get right into our topic today with you because I know that we're all eager to dig into, no pun intended, the, um, the food topic with what we're really exploring, which is how does food affect our relationships? And I know that's a huge question, so we'll unpack it too, but I just wanted to start there. How do you think food affects couples of all types? Well, food affects every individual, right? So food is the central part of our life. I mean, not only is it a commodity, but we use it for medicinal reasons. People are very into it for health, which should be. Um, it's part of your environment growing up. We like certain foods because we have emotional connections to them. You know, like everybody loves the grandma's cookies at Christmas and it doesn't mean grandma's cookies are the best. So I think that it's really important as part of your environment that, that we have strong connections to food and understand where those connections are coming from, which will respond in certain ways, right? We'll feel certain emotions with things and we have to know where, where that's coming from. So I think that food is very central and it also perpetuates relationships, right? Like every single thing that we do from the smallest you want to meet and hang out and drink over coffee to your first date to hanging out with a new friend to having girls night out to major life events weddings mm. showers and mm -hmm. funerals they're all centralized with food mm. so we have very strong connections to them each of them has very large meanings to us mm. That makes sense. So we're really surrounding ourselves with food at every big life event. And that's why maybe even you love the study of it and thinking about how it does really affect marriages. Absolutely. And even the smallest event affects mm -hmm. us and with marriages, you know, mm -hmm. um, and with our relationships, you know, we have memories of how we met people. We have memories of certain 
events. Um, you know, a lot of times you might be able to remember, oh, this anniversary, we did this. And I bet one of the things is going to be at a romantic restaurant or somewhere mm-hmm. you would pay a higher level for food quality. It's always surrounding in there and what you choose to eat. So mm-hmm. um, it's very emotionally connected. This is why a lot of us struggle with health with food. And I bet different types might look at it differently. Some types might easily recognize food as more medicinal. It's easier to eat healthier. And some may more emotionally connect with food and, um, and the way that we're raised with it. And that's what's comfortable for us. So um, food has very strong emotional connections to us. So much sense because I can think of people in every personality type who have struggled with food. And most of us, we have to also remember we're in America, have struggled in the same ways that we all like overeating a little bit here in America and we have an obesity problem. And so I think that each type struggles with that. I am listening and leaning into each type as I think here with you and as I prepped for this. And I was thinking, I really don't know of a type that has never struggled with overeating because even ones I've met who do that, um, perhaps even taking in too much wine for one. So it's really every single type has had their struggle with food. But like you said, also such a blessing. And so it's not one of those easy things we can say, okay, food is a problem for me, done with food, right? <laughs> right. We have to, we have to <laughs> tarry in the details with it. And I remember doing a science project in sixth grade and I came up with my idea was a magic pill where we wouldn't have to eat anymore. We would take it and it would give us all of our nutritional value. And I thought it was going to get an A plus like this visionary idea. And my teacher said, B minus, I like food. It's part of life. (laughs) I was so taken down by it. I was like, you've probably heard me talk about this too much, but it's like, (laughs) that was a great idea. People do diet pills now. No, I'm just joking. But like, you know, it's really not healthy in many cases to do diet pills. We know, but food is part of life. And as you said, it's in not just the big details, but the little ones. So it really affects couples. And I was going to tell you, we have in the Enneagram, aggressive people, compliant, withdrawing people. And like I said, I think everyone can struggle with food sometimes, but you're right. There are different ways, different types respond. And so some are a little pushier. I want to go out to eat here, like the threes, sevens, and eights. We'll probably fight and debate more about it. The compliance, the twos, ones, and sixes are probably more likely to say, not as big of a deal. I may have a few concerns, like maybe I don't like to eat something, or I really particularly have a few of these places I like, but they're trying to be compliant and work with people and and put people first. And then the withdrawing are like, Whatever you're going to do, I can take care of myself anyways, the fours, fives, and nines. So they're not quite as concerned and they may say, meh, you know, I don't mind because I'm here for you in our relationship or I'll take care of my own food, like you said, medicinally, or I will eat later when I'm comfortably alone and maybe even narcotize out to food. So there's different ways, different types act. But I wanted to ask you this really big question I get a lot, which is very simple And you'd be surprised that people actually bring this into marriage coaching a lot. And that is the question about how people go out to eat and who will decide and who should decide about going out to eat. And it's so silly and novel, but I wanted to check in. Had you ever dealt with this issue personally or just even as a professional with dietetics? Yeah, so this is actually a really big cultural question. And I think when we first meet people, we'd be 
you know, some people are pretty indecisive um, because they're concerned about the other person and trying to make a friendship or a significant mm-hmm. other. But um, I think as uh, time progresses, you know, our personalities come out a little bit stronger or the way that we feel. And so I think the key with this question is to always remember, no matter where you go, you always have a choice into what you order. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you may feel like, yeah, I don't feel like food background that you're not as familiar with, with your taste buds. But in general, like you always have choices. Menus are particularly variety type. And so there mm-hmm. should always be something there. For example, I don't actually eat red meat. Uh, Mm. It's a body issue for me. It's a digestive issue for me. But my husband loves steak. And so he loves going to good steakhouse. It's one of my biggest pet peeves because (laughs) they don't think about chicken at steakhouses (laughs) or the poultry or vegetarian meals. They're all about their steak. Mm -hmm. But we will go to a good steakhouse and we try to compromise with one that might have seafood or something. But there's always a salad. There's always something that you can pick from on the menu. You know, it might not be your top favorite place, but it's something that you can still eat um, if you want to, to send that compromise. Because always in relationships any relationship, there's a compromise in there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to go to steakhouse every single day, then that's where, you know, the conversation happens. But mm-hmm. and another thing is, if, if you know you want to give your significant other something, um, give them their choice at night, you can always fill up a little bit before, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, you can always have a salad or some vegetables or something filling so you can feel relaxed and comfortable if it's not your favorite meal. Mm, I love or that. if you, yeah, I think it's really helpful um, to feel and it gives you back some control that you're not starving watching somebody else eat and you're not really excited about being there. You know, make your own choice before you leave mm-hmm. and you can watch your calories that way too. I like that. Always. There's, even if, if you're trying to watch your health, which just happens a lot of times in couples, a lot of couples, they don't always diet together or follow healthy lifestyle changes together the way we like to word it. But some people, one spouse might really want to go because they have a, they really want to have something and it's more of an unhealthy restaurant. Then you can always fill up on a salad beforehand or always remember that food is all foods okay in moderation. So you just need to cut down the amount that you're eating. So just cut it right in half when you get there of the unhealthy dish or the slightly unhealthy Mm -hmm. dish you're having and save it for later, bring it home to a kid, let them enjoy it or something, but that you can still have the opportunity and that connection together because food really connects us and we connect that event with happiness or sadness, right? If we feel frustrated, then that event is not going to be good for us, right? Mm -hmm. In our marriage, we're going to look at that going out to eat as a negative thing. But it really should be a positive thing because you're spending time together. You're spending a part of your budget on that. So you really should, the outlook should be good and it shouldn't be connected to the food. So make sure that you allow yourself to make choices within that. Mm, That is so important. And you're even making me think about how we have past trauma histories with food too. Like maybe your spouse loves the steakhouse or a fast food restaurant for this example, but you don't have the best memories of fast food. So it's almost like you're saying maybe you can fill up first. So you're not disrespecting your spouse's favorite love, or of course you're not going there all the time either, but you're allowing them to be them, which I talked about last week, but you're also saying, Hey, I have my particular issues. I hope I can heal from them. But while I have them, 
here's how I'm going to take care of myself. And I really love to hear you saying, give people their control back without controlling their spouse. That's fantastic. Yes, absolutely. That's a really big thing because now you're both happy and you're both content. And so you just Mm -hmm. steer that conflict away. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. That is so cool that you are reminding us of that. And that is something I hoped you would say. And I did not prep her for that, but I really hoping, and she did not right away say, Hey, I want you to make sure you always eat where your spouse does. And I knew you wouldn't, but it's like, you know, I did have a slight six wing here that you could. So, so I'm so, I love that you're sharing that. And then the other thing too, is for the withdrawing type, right? Because the withdrawing type needs to have their voice because food is really important, right? We really connect to emotions and situations with what we're eating with. And so I want to also say for the withdrawing type to make sure you make your needs known. You know, because the compromise is both ends. And so if you really like a certain type of place, then feel free to vocalize that as well. Because remember, we all have choices in what we can eat once we get there. Mm-hmm. And we all can pre-fill up on things. So sometimes um, certain types might be more indecisive or it doesn't matter. But at some and, and that's fine. You can compromise more one way. If you're truly comfortable with that, you need to be honest with yourself with that. But always make sure you vocalize your own in as well, because you want to feel that connection too, to that mm-hmm. person. And food connects people together. So make sure that you're not missing the connection because you're not vocalizing um, what also gives you comfort. Mm, I think that is really nice for our withdrawing types to hear that from you, that They have permission to be themselves and to lean in and to identify their interests in food, but also not to be swallowed up by somebody who is more aggressive that they might be married to that says, we're going to do this. And they just say, that's fine. I don't care. But to really find themselves in whatever options they have and sometimes to just say, hey, this is really important to me that every other time I get to pick. But some people will say that doesn't matter to them. And in your field, I'm sure you've had to educate a lot of people on that when they are making lifestyle changes that it's important not to lose yourself, but also not to domineer somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we all have our different outlooks on food. And within this umbrella that I'm talking about, I hope we make healthy choices with food because it really does impact our health. But a lot of us eat healthy in different ways Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And so we need to be reminded of that and to be um, thoughtful of one another for that. Oh my goodness. This is huge. I am so happy you're talking this out because I really hope our listeners will approach going out to eat with their spouse in a more loving way and also a little less of a controlled way versus how many shows have we watched where the husband's like, where would you like to go out to eat? And she's like, I don't care. And then he's like, okay, how about this? And she's like, grr, you know? <laughs> so. <laughs> And then you've done it. So, so, you know, I think it's one of those things that you're really, really identifying that does not have to draw us apart, but can draw us closer and that we're both agreeing. This is not the make or break. Going out to eat one time is not your whole life. So you don't have to belabor the issue. Another thing you guys can do is make a list of your top five joint favorite places. So you could have it together to say, hey, we both love these five all the time. And that's just a way you can say, all right, maybe I don't want to go to this one of our favorites, but are you up for any of the other four? 
So we're just always trying to learn how to love people well without losing ourselves. I think that's probably been one of our biggest focuses as we've talked about marriage and our friendship over the year. And it just has everything to do with food sometimes. Yeah, that's really a great suggestion, Krista. And also knowing what your, you know, your spouse really likes and to maybe find a new place that is compromising for both your menu preferences as well. That can be another very thoughtful thing for your spouse. And um, my husband is a huge foodie and I mean, I love to eat as well, (laughs) but he really is into food. And, and so just to find that is like a loving tenderness point, right? That, you know, you pre-thought this out and Hey, this is a great suggestion for us. And I look at the menu and there's something I know I like, I know there's stuff that sounds really appealing to you. So let's try it out, you know? I love that. I think that is so kind. And you've always been so considerate of your husband as a two. And I think that you've been great about trying to find your way through and even allowing him to, and I shouldn't say allowing, that sounds like you're over him, but just celebrating his, what does he call it? Meatsapalooza? (laughs) Yes, he does love his meat. <laughs> yes, yes, his family all loves to cook and they love to barbecue and they really do love that. And I'll be honest with you, I have digestive issues, so I'm very much more particular in the type of meat I ingest mm-hmm. and I don't even eat at the meats of Palooza. I eat all the vegetarian <laughs> But like, literally, that is so two of you, because like, I'm just putting myself in your shoes. And I'm realizing how I don't do that kind of thing. And how wonderful that is that you do. Wow, I never thought that through. So that's really beautiful that you don't think about that part of it. You're like, I just want to celebrate friendship and fun. And you guys have always been great about hosting and just really being fun people to eat with. And you're such a great So I know he gets blessed by your cooking too. And I know that you, like we said, she even celebrates the things she can't eat because she loves him so much. But yet Stacy has always held her ground on what she does want to eat too, which I think is a way of a two standing their ground and saying, I do matter too. Yes. And I will say this. I actually forgot about it until you mentioned this. So Mitsapalooza, just to describe it to the listeners, is my husband, his brothers, his uncles, they all just cook their best barbecue. And they usually have, we host it in different areas, depending on where they live. And just once a summer, they have a plaque and they have a local judge of friends or whatever who judges their barbecue and Mm. has the best. So one year, I think one of the last years, which is probably a very romantic gesture, Mm -hmm. my husband actually decided to do a smoked turkey, which would not even fit. He got razzed by his (laughs) uncles. And brothers so much to bring a smoked turkey to the Mesa Palooza. But guess what? It's the first year I ate meat at the Mesa Palooza. Oh my gosh, that is so romantic and sweet. I love that he did that for you. And he didn't win, of course, but whatever. <laughs> it was good. Hey, well, that's like not an of course because threes want to win. So that was like a super big, like loving gesture. <laughs> I love that on multiple levels. That is so cute and so much fun. You guys love each other well, and that is so everything. And you're allowing your food to bring you together. You guys love Middle Eastern food, I remember too. And you, you and I have gone out to eat when we have lived in the same state, Middle Eastern, so many times, right? <laughs> we love it. Yes. 
I could live off of Middle East or my kids are done with it. Oh my but yes, when they grow up and move out, I think that's all we're getting. <laughs> yeah, mine still like it because when we head back to Detroit, the first thing we do, we like drop our bags and we're like, get our Middle Eastern food. And so I think that is like so fun that we share that. And I also wanted to see if you had any fun memories of us with food because I think food not only brings couples together as marriages, but also couples with other couples together. And I have a few if you don't. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, I think every time you get together with another couple, there's like involved in that. But I know you guys have made these murder mystery games, which were super fun. And this is back in the beginning era. And there was like a, I think the, it was a carnival uh, one. And I was like, and, and recipes are sent with this game, right? And we like to cook. We're not only foodies of going out to eat, but we like to cook in the kitchen as well. And I was like, funnel cake? How do I have to make a funnel cake? I've only ever bought that at a fair. <laughs> but it was so fun. I was like, wow, I could do this. Not too often, but I could do this. But yes, I remember making all these fair type foods, but it was super fun to do. And then bring to all enjoy together and other you know, people had other recipes. And so it made this really great meal and this really great adventure throughout the night. And the meal correlated obviously with the theme and we were all dressed up and we were trying to figure out who the murderer was and we're all in character. So it was a really great, just fun experience popped out in my head. Aw, I love that. Yes, I really enjoyed it a lot. And my second one is we always love to bake together. Mm -hmm. And so I remember Mm -hmm. us baking for like Christmas cookie exchanges and trying to find new recipes. And that's what's so great Mm -hmm. about food is it allows you to have this like creative expression. Even if you're not the most amazing artist, it gives you Mm -hmm. your own personal expression in the kitchen and so that's really exciting (laughs) I love that and that's a very kind way of saying Krista's not the best cook no I'm just joking but some of our baking experiences like she's like I got this Martha Stewart recipe and she brings over her like professional stand and I'm just like what is happening here like but the fun thing was and this is one of the memories I had about your wing is like these cookies were literally the best cookies we've ever made as my family I know Stacy makes them often but like I was so impressed to bring those and proud to the particular Christmas cookie exchange we were doing. <laughs> so, so I love just like, I guess, inviting you to cook is always a gift and a treat. And I love that you remembered our mystery dinner game, suppersluice.com, if you guys ever want to play one with friends. But really like just seeing you guys dressed up, your husband was a carny. That was so funny. And just getting you to make the funnel cakes was great because that's probably a recipe I put in there that I could never do. (laughs) Somebody who's a dietitian (laughs) and a one wing could do. So they were yummy for me. So I have a memory though of us doing some food service projects together. I remember we went to my mom's nursing home after she'd had her stroke and you and I made Valentine cookies for the residents. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And we had babies then too, right? We brought our babies. We carted babies in these big double strollers and we had multiple babies between us, mm-hmm. three yes. or four probably. <laughs> it was yes. so silly. Why did we do that with all these babies? Like we were so we like did. And it was so much fun. And the, like over the top seven right there. <laughs> that's right. But it was so much fun and the residents mm-hmm. loved it. And I do remember being in like rooms with them and they 
love just the, seeing kids, mm -hmm. you know, the young ones mm -hmm. too, even though they felt like a lot of work to us, it was just such a loving gesture mm -hmm. to them mm -hmm. to see babies around and such. So yeah, that was such a fun experience. It really was. And I hope that after quarantine times, people can get back to doing that kind of loving serving gesture with food because it's a memory that I think of immediately when I think of Stacy and I and our friendship. And I know my mom really appreciated it too, but one of the crazy moments in that visit was she was not mentally well. And so we're passing out the cookies to residents and she held my daughter and I thought this is great. And I wasn't thinking it through and she fed her some of her nursing home food. <laughs> and Hannah was a baby <laughs> and I was like, no, like, like, what am I thinking here? So it's one of those parenting faux pas. I'm like, well, at least it's all cut up. You know, it was very pureed, but it was just a moment right. I will never forget where I'm like, I can't believe I did that. But we also had so much fun with just, like I said, the cookie exchanges. When you came to the hospitals, many times when I was visiting my father, I remember us eating at the subway. So sometimes I want to tell you, yes. that you can have your most intimate food memories can be hilarious or meaningful, or they can be something that's just simple food, but just showing like with Job's friends, like Stacy is the type of person who isn't going to put her food snobbery <laughs> ahead of like, <laughs> you know, and she's not even a food snob, but you know, she's a dietitian and she's got particular things that she likes, but really loving your spouse or a friend means just sitting with them sometimes with food when there's nothing else you can really do together. Right, Stace? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's important to remember too. I mean, even when people are struggling, I mean, food is important, right? Mm -hmm. And when people become very emotionally involved in a situation that's very sad to them, people tend to polarize. Either they overconsume or they don't consume enough. So it's important as friendships to keep them consuming food, healthy food, to make sure they're getting the nutrients because that's the last thing on their mind often. Mm. Really long days in the hospitals. Mm, absolutely. And you brought food to my father's wake when I remember there's not much you can really do when you're in those spots. You just kind of have to wing it for the first 24 hours of that time when everyone's greeting you saying hello and spouse is trying to help you with family, but you need that social subtype. You need your friends, your people who are good and balanced. And I'm so blessed to have one who is as balanced as Stacy, who could say brought you a meat tray or some cheese, something to just make your kids happy, some cookies and it was such a blessing that you were there and that you also, like you said, you know, people need balance in those times. So even in your grief, even in those times, guys, food is going to be such a comfort in your relationship if you let it. And if you learn every single day in your marriage is a science experiment, it's a chance to do it a little bit differently, to tweak it every single time you make a mistake. Don't consider it as a fail, but as a learning experience so that you can get healthier and healthier with your marriage. We understand, Stacy and I get it. Sometimes there's blood, sweat, and tears, even around food, and there's fighting. And we both know the little kid years can be that five o'clock food hour, like I talked about on the episode last week, can be killer. But those seasons will not last forever. And you can ask people around you for support and be that support to them when you're not in that season and you will be just fine. So I'm just so grateful for you, Stacey. And I do want to ask you one last question, and that is a biggie. How can food draw us closer as couples or move us apart? And what are your recommendations to couples around eating rituals 
and just life around the table. Any kind of final closing comments? Oh yeah, absolutely. So life around the table, as we know, it's important because it's every single day. And whether you're going out or staying in, it's incredibly important because you're always cooking for each other. And maybe some people don't cook. Maybe you purchase pre-cooked meals or however you do it, but it's always to be thoughtful um, to not only yourself, because that's very important, and to eat healthy for yourself, but also for your spouse. And there's are always just small daily tender moments that you can do for that. An example for that is I just do not like tomatoes or mushrooms, both very healthy foods. I mm-hmm. wish I did, but my teeth mm-hmm. would say otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. But my husband loves them. Okay, mm-hmm. so I don't think about adding them to dishes because I don't like them. And I do the majority, he's a great cook, but mm-hmm. I do the majority of the cooking during the week and I just don't think about it. So when I do and I have it in a meal or I have it off to the side that he can add in the meal, he is just so thankful for that because that means that I thought about his needs, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just a small gesture. It's mm-hmm. just something at a dinner time that we do every single day. But if I do that, then it's a reminder. So I think that that food definitely can, you know, facilitate some of, of those feelings of I care about you or I'm thoughtful for you, you know, mm-hmm. um, as you go throughout. Mm-hmm. And also, so we do have many kids, as you have mentioned. So, you know, if I buy a uh, you know, like a snack food. I remember one time uh, with the kids were younger <laughs> and he would be like, how come by the time I get home from work, all the Oreos are gone? Because I just bought them that day and the kids shout way too many. Right. To me. So anyhow, sometimes I would just buy a special something and hide it in his dresser so the kids wouldn't see it. And then he felt like, okay, my needs are being taken care of as well. So it's just a small little thing. It doesn't have to, doesn't have to be additive. But it's just a reminder because we really connect emotionally to food. And the Oreos wasn't the best perception of health. It was just in those weak moments. But just so you know, to be healthy as well. But yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that you're honest about that because that is life. And I've always loved that about you, that as much as you embrace your one side and you really love sharing healthy tips with everybody, You've always talked about how treats are allowed in life and they're part of the around the table experience. And then you're hitting on some self-preservation points that some of us who have the self-preservation type, I've talked about it in my office, me taking food to the office. (laughs) We're like, I'm going to be here for five hours. I need the whole refrigerator. (laughs) And it's just silly, but I think that that's a great thing that your husband learned. And sometimes your self-preservation isn't your strongest instincts, but you need it because you're going to burn out because the kids are going to eat all the snacks. And I know your kids and they are going to eat all the snacks. <laughs> I learned that when I got like grapes or strawberries one time and you taught me like, no, you buy strawberries and you consume them all. Your kids consume them all that day. <laughs> so, they like, do. Oh, but mine don't. And so sadly they like the junk food more, but like, I'm just saying like, it's so fun to think on how sometimes self-preservation is healthy. Like with your husband where he's like, I'm going to put that away because I need that and I'm never going to get any if I don't. Right. Exactly. And another key point that I want to hit on, and we just, I mentioned it slightly earlier, is being creative with your food. And food is is an art form. It can be creative expression. It can be a research form. It comes out in all different personality types. So it can be something that 
you know, you do together as a couple or my husband is much more research oriented and he loves to cook. He's a very good cook. And so like one Saturday morning, we might wake up and he has five different trials of breads going on of different (laughs) variables that he's done, right? Because that's That's so great. It totally is him. But, But other people and other types might creatively express more artistically with food. And I think I saw that in, I think some of your recent posts on Instagram about what people were doing for the fourth. And they found it interesting because there were a lot of couples that were trying a new recipe or working on something new. And I think that's really important mm-hmm. to do that and to do that together. I loved that too. I was loving just even hearing about the sheet pan dinners and my daughter's like, oh yeah, mom, I made the pancakes you ate this week were sheet pan pancakes. But like the hobo dinners, all the fun new ways people are cooking, cooking together. And I love to, like you said, your husband will literally research it and spreadsheet it like a true three. And so you guys just have so much fun together. And I just thank you so much for sharing your heart to give people that reminder of not controlling your spouse, of loving them where they're at, of really enjoying your food, not worrying about having treats, but also having health and variety and balance. And just, wow, thank you so much for coming on the show today. What a gift for me to even be able to think about how our friendship has really blessed me over the years and how food's been a big part of that. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And guess we have 20 years of wisdom or not wisdom <laughs> long, <laughs> but it's been quite a fun adventure. And I love talking about the subject. Oh, I'm so glad. Yes, guys, take our tips, take the things we've learned. Don't bring babies to a nursing home, maybe, but, but have fun <laughs> and love and serve people and, and learn from our mistakes and our blessings because we're both still married after 20 plus years of friendship and being together as spouses and remember that friendship is very important and to the longevity of a marriage so that you guys can be so blessed I just really feel like that was part of this episode too is just reminding people to really not shy away from friendships and being vulnerable healthily vulnerable with people who care because Stacy loves my husband Wes really good example of a friend who cares about your marriage, loves you, has your back, but also loves your spouse. We've shared our faith. We've shared so much. And today we got to share professionally. So thank you, Stacy. That's right. Thank you so much, Krista. And before you guys leave, don't forget to check out our Around the Table freebie over at Enneagram and Marriage. You can find it under our latest freebie or at ReflectionCC.com so that you can make sure that you guys have a great way to dialogue about how you like to eat together, what you want to do. If you're just listening but not making the changes at home, it's not going to happen. So we need you guys to be intentional with it so you can have a happier and more successful and just more well-rounded and fun family at home. And make sure you slip over to Apple Podcast and leave a review so that you can be entered to win a mystery dinner game for you and your friends and family. Let me know in the DMs or you can email me at Krista at ReflectionCC.com in order to make sure you're counted. Have an awesome day.